Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media. Hello, I'm Gavin Stewart, Marketing Director and Co-Founder of Ashton Media and the host of Ashton Cast. This is the first part of a three-part series on how you can stay mentally healthy through COVID-19 and other challenging times. This series is proudly produced in partnership with Unlimited and the legends at our awesome production partners, Podpaste, who have kindly donated their time to help make it happen. Unlimited is a social purpose organization that connects the media, marketing and creative industry with charities helping children and young people at risk. If you want to find out how you can get involved and use your skills for good, please visit unltd.org.au. We've designed this series to give you a set of tools to help you navigate uncertainty and fear and hopefully help you come out the other side stronger and more resilient. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, comment and tell anyone you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favorite episode. You can find Ashton Cast on all major podcast players. Go to ashtonmedia.com.au slash ashtoncast for more info. One quick caveat about the content. We're talking about mental health and mental well-being. This is not a diagnostic tool or treatment plan for serious mental illness. If you're currently receiving any treatment for mental ill health, what I would suggest is that you consult your health practitioner before implementing any changes. Also, given that we're going to be talking about mental health, some of the content you might find triggering. If you need help, then reach out to Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36. Like most other people, I'm working from home and the entire series has been produced remotely. So please excuse us if the production is not as polished as usual. Now, on to episode one, my chat with the brilliant psychotherapist, Katie Fetter. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next edition of Ashton Cast. I am here with the one and only Katie Fetter. Katie, welcome. And uh, can you please tell the, our listeners a bit about yourself? Sure. Um, thanks, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is my first podcast. So the first thing to note is I listen to lots and I'm very excited to be in one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So a little bit about myself. So I'm here today, I guess, in my current um, professional capacity, which is as a psychotherapist. But I've always been interested in why we respond the way we do. Like, how is it that two people can have exactly the same experience and have two really different responses to it? So I've always had a really rich curiosity about our inner worlds and our emotional makeup and um, what it is that that makes us uh, relate to ourselves and the people around us in the way that we do. So it was no great surprise that I went to study psychology at university off on my quest for sort of self-awareness. Um, and I came out of university, that was in the UK, obviously, by my accent. And um, I always say that at that point, I um, was seduced into media. 
I think I went for for an interview and it was one of these agencies where the interview was in a minibus in reception. And at 21, that was enough. I was like, that is, that is so desperately cool. I was like, I, you know, I can't believe it. You know, the guy was like, I think he had his, you know, in jeans with his shoes off and his legs on the table. And I was like, oh yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, this is totally what I've got to do with my life. So, um, so then, then the next two decades, I spent um, mainly publisher side. And here in Australia, I was with Channel 9, most latterly. Um, and then sort of somewhere around my early 40s, um, came back knocking this thought about reconnecting to more and and more for me has always been greater understanding and you know deeper awareness and so I went back and restudied uh I did my master's in psychotherapy uh and started working in clinical practice that took four years to study that loved every minute of it um psychotherapy is a very uh, spiritual science. It's a very soulful psychology. So that will come through, I'm sure, in our talk today, because um, it's a lot more about that inner quest for the answers that you seek. Fantastic. And I mean, I, I guess you've kind of been looking for some answers yourself because, you know, we, we spoke off, off air uh, and you, you've had a particularly challenging six months. So can you, can you tell us what's been happening? Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> it's been <laughs> take all the great life changes and you could pretty much condense most of them into the past six months. Um, so uh, sadly, uh, six months ago, in fact, now my marriage ended. So um, I had a separation, which is a fairly major, well, certainly is one of the major life events in anybody's uh, story. And as a result of that, um, I was living in Bondi and I just felt that I needed to come somewhere different to kind of reconcile that experience and begin to integrate into what this new future would be. And so I moved to the Southern Highlands. Um, I've got two small children, so I moved them and moved their schools and all the things that involved with that. Uh, and I thought it was wonderful until, of course, the bushfires hit. And we were evacuated, bizarrely, back to Bondi, where my nervous system was kind of going, haven't we just, didn't we just do this? Didn't we just leave here? So then I had evacuation. And then more recently, of course, um, <clears throat> like all of us, the COVID experience. So it's certainly been a challenging time and change and challenge and events outside of ourselves that aren't always uh, ideal have been a really prevalent theme in my life in the past six months. That sounds really tough, really tough. So, you know, we're in the space of six months, we've had divorce, Mm-hmm. bushfires mm-hmm. and now COVID. So w- can you tell me um, where were you when you first thought that, you know, COVID was going to explode and and what made you think that? Mm. So uh, I'm pausing because what I want to have for you here is a really um, intelligently informed response. And the the truth is that for me, that moment actually came in the supermarket <laughs> and uh, I was fairly relaxed about things. Um, now that perhaps I'm in the country, the backdrop was slower to adopt some of those changes. But there was one particular day that I walked in to um, 
to Woolies. And it was just like by osmosis, there was this kind of collective panic that I could, you, you can sense it, you know, and it, you oh, can yeah. receive information. Yeah, I could just sense it. And, and so first of all, there was like the discomfort around that. And then there was me, that part of me that was like, I am absolutely not <clears throat> going to buy into this hysteria. But with every aisle and with every shelf that became less and less well stocked, um, I just found myself slowly kind of uh, realizing that, it, you know, it, it was real. And that as much as I didn't want to panic, if I didn't take that last bag of pasta, um, my six-year-old wasn't going to eat anything because that's all he'd eat. And by the time I got to the <laughs> toilet roll section, I was like, this is absolute chaos. So it, it was that afternoon and, and driving home, I just was like, wow, they're, they're, I now behaviorally, I think it was the shift in human behavior that that for me um, was that moment of conversion where I realized that as a collective, there is a very different um, atmosphere. There is a very different energy to everything that is happening. Yeah, mm. you, could, you could still feel it, you know, in the shops. Absolutely. I, I, I hate going to the, the shops. It's awful. Yeah. You know, people with, with masks and gloves and there's just this general yeah. sense of fear and uncertainty and, yeah. you know, and, and you know, and, and it's difficult. And I, I think, um, you know, you mentioned that you've, you've got kids. So how do you, uh, how do they interpret what's going on and you know, how do you guide them when, when you're feeling so uncertain yourself? Mm. So, um, so this is something which I feel very strongly about as a parent. And, and the first thing to say there is that I don't think it's our job as parents to role model perfection. I actually think it's our role to allow and make space for the full spectrum of human experience. So the good stuff, the love and the joy and, you know, the creativity and the connection, you know, don't, don't worry about it. That, that's going to take care of itself. But, you know, when I show up in anger or uncertainty, um, the main thing I do is, is kind of give myself permission and therefore give my children permission for that to be there. Secondly, how do I reconcile that? So if it is one of those lesser attractive aspects, like, you know, mom getting really crabby at 7.30 at night because they won't go to bed and I'm knackered and I just really would like a glass of wine and a bit of peace, um, <laughs> then, you know, how do I apologize if I shout? How do I come back from that? And, and if I am really not in a great place myself, not to force myself to be something other than that I am, but maybe use it as an invitation just to be a bit more lax, like put a movie on, um, they'll be happy, I'll be happy. And, um, you know, just take a step back. Don't, don't in that moment try and, and um, be perfect. Just, just uh, be with what is and it gives us all permission to do the same. So I suppose in a way, you know, you're saying uh, give yourself permission to have some space. Yeah. And in that space to not have to be anything other than who, what the truth of who you are is. So, you know, we had a night the other night where I was feeling, I was just feeling exhausted, to be honest. And I just, I didn't have it in me to do the usual routine and so on and, you know, be in that kind of mom mode. So I just suggested to the kids that we put a fire on, watch Frozen 2, have a TV dinner, which basically looked like a sandwich, um, and that rather than doing bedtime, they could just fall asleep on the couch when they were tired. Winner. 
They yeah. were thrilled. Brilliant. I was thrilled because it took the pressure right off me. And actually, in that moment, we were all fine. Whereas I really believe that if I'd tried to push through with what I thought was the right thing to do, you know, the routine, et cetera, et cetera, that I just would have done it with a really um, crappy energy and it would not have gone well for any of us. And, you know, you mentioned there like feeling exhausted and I, I can't speak for anyone else other than myself, but I've been absolutely exhausted through periods of this, just absolutely exhausted. And I, and I think, you know, I, I really want to sort of understand why and why this, why this situation is having such a huge impact on our mental well-being. Um, okay, well, there's, <clears throat> I think the why will be different for each of us. Um, but let me first say that your response to something is, is not defined by the outer event, but by your inner experience of that event. So um, I will make some assumptions. Um, I know you run your own business, Gav, and I imagine that that's, that in itself demands an awful lot of you. Does yeah. does needs a lot of needs a lot of energy, a lot of lot of TLC. You have to come at it positive all all the time, every yeah. day. Yeah. And how long have you been running at that speed and needed that much of yourself? Uh, since day dot, when there was three of us kicking off in Mark's front lounge room. Uh, you know, typical startup story. Um, you know, and you have to you have to put in one hundred and ten percent. You know, um, you know it's your baby. You grow yeah. it, so you know you need to. And I think you know you remove. You know, this situation has really removed us from all of the structures that we put around ourselves to give that energy. And you have to kind of, I guess, rebuild that. You know, does mm. that answer that, that question for you? It, it, well, it does in that you're beginning to hold a curiosity about your exhaustion. And the reasons why you're exhausted are different from the reasons why I'm exhausted. But one of the first places to start is you're doing something different to how you previously maybe would have held yourself. And in that is a space for something, some information to come through, which perhaps wasn't able to when you were running at a million miles an hour. And it, it might be as simple as I actually am knackered. I've been running a business and a marriage and I'm a parent and I've been going at it since day dot. And um, maybe there hasn't been as much space crafted and then you look at the cultural backdrop that has this completely unrealistic expectation in the main that we're all completely buoyant and at 110 every day of the week and and you then amplify that with the industry that you're in which is media marketing creative customer experiences where everybody's always showing up at 110 and that you know there's a seasonality to uh, to your day and to your human experience. And by that, I mean, there are moments when you are in a really energized state and there so too should be moments of rest. And quite often we disavow the rest and replace it with the action because we have this misplaced sense that that is a better way of functioning from. That is part of it, but you need the yin and the yang to hold it in balance. So I guess part of, you know, my take from that is perhaps that you really need to give yourself permission to rest. It is okay to just slow down. And you need to really ask yourself, what are the origins of that voice which is refuting the rest? Who is it? So, you know, in my case, 
it's absolutely my family of origin where <clears throat> I learned very early on that doing was good, being not so much. And so for a long time, my sense of self was defined by, you know, what have I achieved in a day? What have I done in a day? What have I accomplished in a day? And I didn't see the replenishment of my energy as an accomplishment in the same way as I saw I've launched a website and written a paper and did it. You know what I mean? I didn't give it the same value, the same weighting. And, and it took me a long time to, to teach myself that. So, yeah, I guess replenish energy isn't something you really you know see on a typical to-do list right but there are obviously (laughs) there are ways to do that and we'll get into that a little bit later on but you know obviously one of the big challenges with this is change right because Mm. you know we have seen we we haven't seen any change like this in our lifetimes right this is Mm. this is really difficult from purely from that perspective so but you know what what is it that makes change so difficult resistance and um if i would just distill it right down um so there are different types of change there is change that we elect and that change can feel very powerful it can feel very energizing it can have great momentum to it and then there is change that we have not uh chosen and we can experience that as very unfair and very forced um Now, one thing that we can guarantee in life is the only permanent is the impermanence. So if it isn't COVID, if it isn't your marriage, if it isn't the home that you love suddenly, you know, the people you rent it from deciding that they'd like it back or they're going to sell it, if it isn't, you know, there will absolutely guarantee always be change. So one of the most critical things we can do is begin to mature this aspect of ourselves that can hold ourselves steady in it so that that main um, anchor comes from within yourself and you are not your response to it is not as volatile not totally attached to the outcome so you're saying more rely on the internal rather than the external because that's where you have a little more control i guess in effect that's part that's really what you only thing you control right absolutely totally correct and oh sorry go on no no i was just going to say um that, that, that please continue you can continue. Um, oh. <laughs> um, well, no you hang I, up no you hang up no no you no you no you gav no you you um uh, i've totally lost my flow now where was i going to go with that yeah I, I was talking about discomfort and i was talking about what we resist persists and and talking about um i think i was going to go to the fact that you know we are also the stories that we tell ourselves and there's this lovely um i guess you'd call it a a fable maybe um where there's a grandmother and she's speaking to her grandson and she's telling the story about the wolf with two heads And one of them is, um, you know, it's really angry. It's full of self-pity, lots of resentment, lots of pride. uh, And the other head, of course, is uh, its polarity. So lots of empathy, lots of hope, lots of compassion, lots of faith. And the grandson says, well, which one leads? And the grandmother says, whichever one you feed. I love that story. I've I've heard that a few times. It's yeah. it's, it's a beautiful one, and I, and I think, you know, it, 
this kind of drives us really nicely to where we need to go next, which is, you know, the purpose of this podcast is, is practical solutions and actions that we can take to help us reduce stress and cope with the uncertainty and impact of, of lockdown and beyond. So personally, I love a list. Mm-hmm. So um, can, can we break that down into five actions that people can take? Yes, sure. All right. So the first one, um, I would really like you, uh, all of us, myself included, to invite in presence. And presence is essentially just being in this moment. So not holding, um, you know, anxiety about the future or depression about the past, but just being fully present to what is in this moment. And um, that may look like um, just listening to nature. You know, you may be on a beach and you may just see a beautiful wave or hear a gorgeous bird or uh, just listening to this podcast, knowing that in this moment you are sat in your car or at home and in this second, in this very moment, you are okay. And so some of the ways that people cultivate presence, um, meditation obviously is spoken about a lot, uh, journaling I'm a huge fan of, uh, breath work, you can be present walking, you can walk mindfully, but the reason that you are um, looking to cultivate that inside of yourself is just to circuit break all of the chatter that's going on around this situation and just bring yourself into this very moment right now. Um, If you haven't read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, uh, please get it and read it. I think everybody should read that book and that is a fantastic way to begin to understand the separation between yourself and the truth of who you are and the constant narrative that goes around and around our head. So my first, my first one is presence. My second one, which will come as a result of presence, is gratitude. And you can connect in with what you're grateful for, and it can be super simple. You know, at the moment, um, it's cold outside and I'm really warm. I've got the heating on here. I've got a lovely jumper on. I'm talking to you. I'm really grateful for that. And there is something that happens in your brain, which I won't go into now, but essentially, if you are fully, fully in gratitude, you cannot sit with any other emotion, especially negative emotions. In the next moment, sure, that may come back. But by cultivating presence and cultivating gratitude, you're already inviting yourself in that moment to hold some of the peace that you're seeking. So that's the second. Um, the third is practice. Um, all of all of these, um, you know, meditation and so on, it's all referred to as a practice. And the reason is you don't listen to this podcast or read a book or understand a concept and go, okay, on a cerebral level, I've now got that and that will now convert. You need to keep coming back to it in the same way, you know, Gav, I know you mentioned to me that you like to exercise. If you just suddenly stopped for the next six months, you would slowly lose that connection to the, um, you know, the joy and the adrenaline that you feel after exercising and the strength that you house in your body. And your mind, like any muscle, um, needs to regularly be matured and connected with. 
And that's so, why they call it practice and not done, right? Correct. Correct. And, and you know, that doesn't have to look like um, all day, every day. That could look like 10 minutes at the start and the end of the day. And if, like me, you're a parent and at the start and the end of the day you're juggling children, find another time, doesn't matter. You can be present on the bus commuting into work. You can be present cooking. You can be present doing something else, but just bring yourself fully into the moment. So um, so we've had presence, gratitude, keep connecting through practice. And then this is a really important one, the surrendering, the letting go. So... Um, Elizabeth Gilbert speaks beautifully about this. And um, in her book, Eat, Pray, Love, which I read about 15 years ago, I think, there's a bit in there at the start where she goes, if, like most Americans, you think that you sit on top of the world tightly holding a handle and you turn it and you turn it and you affect every single aspect of your life, that's an exhausting place to be. She goes, just try letting go. Like, just let go of the handle. She goes, the birds aren't going to fall out the sky. <laughs> you know, people aren't going to stop doing what they're doing. Just let go a little bit. And this notion that we had full control, utter control, is slightly farcical anyway. And I think what COVID is really bringing to the front is, is just um, that reminder that we have to, to an extent, surrender our experience and be willing to go with the flow because if not you are fighting yourself constantly because because ultimately that's what you're fighting you know that inner surrendering can be tough kind of for people i mean obviously in your practice you will have seen that a a lot right you know Mm. i I guess what do you think we'll, we'll get to number five in a minute but what do you think makes surrendering so tough for people to do like I, I can speak for myself that you know for me it was like you know I, I, I like to be in control with with my business and what's going on and, and bringing people together is a, is a magical thing but you know the having to let go of that and go right well I can't do that now mm. I just mm. can't it's tough so what do you how do you how do you get through that what do you what do you suggest there um, well, look, I, I, it's tough for all of us. I know, you know, again, using myself as an example, for a long time, I liked control because I felt safe. I felt like that was a stable place. That was a place that I could control. That was a place that didn't have volatility. That was a place which is a, which is a false concept. Um, so I would, I would say... Um, Try it in micro doses because you have come into how you have for a very real reason. We all become who we are because it serves us. Um, if I were to see you in a clinical practice, I would begin by exploring how you came to be. You know, we're all wired to attach, um, and that looks like we have to show up in our family of origin in a way that makes us recognized that makes us lovable. That, and so we begin slowly, slowly through that and then through school and then through our places of work and then to form um, what I would refer to as an ego, which is this sense of self. And the thing is, it becomes so real to us that we believe it to be a truth. And so what you're asking yourself to do is to go against that bit of you that has told you that this is a definitive fact for the past 30, 40, 50 years. So, um, you know, maybe just try it for 
two minutes. Just try it for five minutes. The expectation is not that you're suddenly a Zen master, but the expectation is that you say, okay, it's lunchtime. I've had a incredibly shitty day. I am feeling tremendous anxiety. I, and it's real, you know, people are losing jobs. We're struggling to meet bills and payments. And, you know, I'm not diminishing the challenges that we're sat in at the moment, but I promise you that if you took two minutes, just two minutes to stop and be present and let go and give yourself permission for the next two to five minutes, I don't have to fix it. I don't have to solve it. I can just let it all go and put it all down you would be okay. And that's... Just be mm-hmm. and, and exist and just breathe. Just go with your breath. So that's brilliant. And um, can we get into, into number five before we, before we jump into the next part, which is about the light at the end of the tunnel? Okay, so number five uh, is very simply time. And I don't mean linear time. I mean your time. So not your neighbor's time, not what the guy next to you is doing, not what your expectation of yourself is, but, but time to explore and come into, invite in this new way of being that may begin to offer you in micro doses initially the peace that you're seeking. Brilliant. And... So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Thankfully, you know we're we're starting to see there there are less cases of COVID across Australia, and you know that we're flattening the curve, right? So, um, is there is there anything in this experience that can actually help us come out of the other end other end stronger and, and more resilient? Uh, yes, and again, I would say because we're all individuals, you need to attune to what stronger looks like for you. So at the beginning, um, we spoke about what my past six months have held for me. So stronger for me looks like rested, well fed. Um, stronger for me right now. Getting is out of not... bed in the morning, I imagine. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, it's not. It, look, it's not learning a new language, right? It's not. It's not suddenly becoming Australia's greatest bike rider or swimmer. Like it, it. Stronger for me is 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 compassion. Stronger for me is softening. Strong. I know how to do it because I'm a mother. So I I know how to mother. But it's turning that on myself, mothering myself. We all know how to love. But it's loving yourself. So if, if taking a course is going to add to your experience of feeling stronger, feeling more buoyant, feeling more energized, feeling more in line with what you're courting, then yes. But the definition of that is going to look very different for every one of us because we're all individuals. And, and what it looks like for me at the moment isn't what it's going to look like for me in a year's time. So again, it's just always coming back to yourself and being in real connection and being really honest about what serves you. So I'm, I'm going to you know, be really honest here. I'm freaked out about coming out the other side, you know, about coming back into this, this new normal, you know, you know, where obviously there's, they're talking about coming into an economic recession, which could be like the great depression. Now, obviously that's a bit of a media beat up, but 
you know, do you have any advice for me personally to help me feel a bit better about coming out the other side? Look, I, I haven't, I haven't got a crystal ball. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. So what I would say is the only guarantee that you have, Gav, is, is yourself and your inner resources to sit with what is coming in the best way that you can. And that comes back, in my view, to really connecting in with that emotional toolkit um, and recognizing that, you know, when you do go back to it, it's not just what you're doing, but the energy that you're bringing to it. So, um, you know, yeah, that, that would be my advice, would be to use, you take advantage of this time to maybe um, do some of those connection pieces to self, which perhaps have less opportunity to be explored when you're going at a million miles an hour. So that, hmm. Brilliant. Um, so I suppose I'm, you know, open to being honest now. Uh, this is this is tough, but you know, I'm going to use myself as a bit of a bit of a guinea pig here. That so maybe maybe this can help other people understand the stages of their own journey. And you, you, for me, when this whole thing kicked off, I really felt like I was standing on a beach, and I knew there was a tsunami coming, and I could see the the ocean receding further and further away and I, and I knew that, that something was going to hit you know and that absolutely frightened me so can you can you can you talk to me about that about that that small part of my journey mm. uh well first of all just to um give yourself permission uh that that was a perfectly normal response that it was big that you didn't know it yet that it was unknown, that it was new. And for you to respond initially in any other way uh, would probably be a bit, um, uh, I don't want to use the word impossible, but you would have a very large expectation of yourself to, um, to see it any other way. Um, but what I uh, like to talk about when it comes to kind of looking at experiences is um, there was a wonderful uh, guy in the 80s called Michael Beckwith, and he looked at four stages of personal development and growth. And the first stage that he looked at, um, he called To Me. And this is where you experience everything in life as happening to you. So it's almost that sort of um, victim state. This is happening to me. This person has done this to me. This is coming towards me. This is um, threatening me. And in order to move through that, um, you actually have to let go of the control and get to that next stage, which is by me. Fantastic. And I, I think the next next part of my journey was... Um, I imagine a lot of people would have been doing this, just consuming news nonstop from every single source possible, from Facebook, from Twitter, from LinkedIn, from, you know, from the Sydney Morning Herald, the Guardian, you know, it, just trying to work out, you know, what, what might be coming next, trying to make sense of this world that I felt like had been turned up onto its head. Like, wh what do you make of that? 
Um, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Michael Beckwith here because that, that next step of buy me, so much better than to me is buy me. So that's the next step in self-development where you go, okay, I, I surrender the victim state. Um, I'm, now going to, um, I'm now going to be in control of this. And I think this is something that a lot of us recognize. I personally do much better than to me, but my God, it's exhausting. Right. I mean, this thing happens because of me. (laughs) This thing happens. It's really action orientated. It's really self-driven. It's really focused. It's exhaustive. Um, so it's better than the victim state, but it is, it is, it is full control. And, and when you're here now, what you're looking to move through to is onto through me, which is that surrender of control and to come into more of a state of um, flow. Which I didn't quite get to yet. The next, <laughs> the next part that happened with me was, you know, full on freak out. Right. Full on. Like just, you know, feeling completely out of control. Of, of my own destiny, you know, feeling like my business was, you know, potentially crumbling through my hands and, you know, maybe I was going to lose my home and, you know, and, and all this stuff. You know, I cried a lot, a lot, you know, mm. and I drank a lot and oh, there you go, there's a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but, but I, I got through that and I think what we're, what we're talking about is like the next point, which is when I, when I managed to pull myself together mm. and, you know, and I started meditating. And I started exercising and, you know, and I even came up with the idea for this podcast series, you know, so I really, you know, felt like for me, that was a complete sort of paradigm shift. So can you maybe talk me through what happened there? Yeah, I think, um, again, what, what I'm hearing you say is as I would expect your journey to be, I think quite often our our expectation of growth is that it would be this beautiful romanticized thing where, you know, suddenly the caterpillar is a butterfly and isn't it gorgeous and off it goes. and, and, And we all want to short circuit this bit in the middle where the poor bugger has to climb into a cocoon and totally decompose. Like every cell in its body turns to utter mush it is the most gross, sticky, horrid um, decomposition of everything that you know before it can, and, and sat in that for time, before it can begin to recalibrate and come out as this new iteration of self. And I think that the truth of self-development and self-growth is we are in a place of of discomfort and we want to get to, we know where we want to get to, we know how we want to feel. But in order to do that work in its fullest, we need to go down and into those shadow murky aspects of ourself. And that is grief. That is the shedding of what we believed to be true and the surrender and the letting go of that in order to make space for the new future that is coming forward. So in your case, it makes sense to me that there was a huge part of you that was grieving, hang on a minute, 
This is the business that I built. This is what it looked like. I'm not ready to let go of that. That was not my choice. I feel really angry, quite rightly, and really frustrated and really lost and really what all these emotions um, that I am in this position and to sit in that for time so that when you do come through and you go, you know what? I'm ready to reconnect to my practice. I'm ready to bring in, invite in a different energy and birth this new iteration of Ashton Media through this podcasting. There is a um, there is a, a divine timing around that. And and if you if you didn't do that process in its fullest, that's where we short circuit things with you know, alcohol and drugs and affairs and shopping and consumerism and all the bits and pieces that give us that instant hit that we're looking for, but there's no longevity in that. Brilliant. And yeah, I think, I think you know, my, my reflection on a, a bit of it was that I felt like I had lost someone I loved. I felt like I had lost a really, really, really close, you know, relative. And it really felt like, you know, the stages of grief, and I, you know, thankfully now I, you know, it's still up and down, but mostly up, you know, I feel like I'm riding the tsunami rather than waiting for it to hit the, hit the beach every time now. And, you know, and, and feeling much, much more solid. And, you know, hopefully people can, you know, listen to, to my story and your story and your advice and, and take stuff from that that they need to, you know, to, to not be so worried about the tsunami, maybe to, to try and ride it a little bit more. So, so, you know, thanks for that. That was, that was very, very helpful for me. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. And, and grief, just to say, grief is letting go of something that you're not ready to let go of. You know, so yeah. that would be absolutely present. And I think the the flow state that you're talking about, I always liken it to surfing. I'm not a surfer at this point, I should probably caveat, but I'm told, you know, you don't sit there and control the wave. You don't sit there and tell it how to do and what to do. It comes towards you and you use it. You, there is a, there is sort of a oneness. You're not separate from it. And I think in this experience, you know, you have no choice but to, when you do begin to um, come into your butterfly state, to say, okay, well, this is the backdrop. So, wax you know. up that surfboard and get yeah. riding, baby. That's the way. <laughs> now, look, a, a couple more questions for you there, Katie, and then you're yeah. off the hook. So, um, you know, what what podcasts and, and, and books and movies do you go to during during challenging times? Yeah, sure. Probably during all times, actually. So, um, all right. So this is um, my favorite. I've got the Gaia app on my phone, G-A-I-A, and I love it. If you haven't got it, I would fully say get it. It's like a consciousness portal. And what I do mostly through there is yoga. Um, but they also have meditations and documentaries and various things. Actually, I watched the Ramdas documentary um, on there the other night, and I really enjoyed that. So um, Gaia yeah. is a big one for me. I do my meditations um, through Insight Timer. They've got a couple of really lovely um, teachers on there who I really enjoy. Um, books. I mentioned The Power of Now. Uh, I think everyone should read that. I also loved um, The Heroine's Journey by Maureen Murdoch. I'm a woman, so if you're a woman listening, um, that is to our sort of dark night of the soul as Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is to the masculine journey. Um, and then I, you know, I 
I don't tend to read a lot of fiction, probably unsurprisingly, but I do. I went back and reread Elizabeth Gilbert's book recently, Big Magic. I love that. I just love that book. Um, and that's a, a really good feel one, feel good one. And then, you know, because I'm interested in what I'm interested in, you know, my idea of a good time is, you know, a book on healing developmental trauma, which I don't imagine is everybody's jam. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we've all got our own things, right? And yeah. uh, um, you know, so you're a, you're a psychotherapist and, and, a lot, yeah. and people go to you for help. Yes. But yes. who do you talk to when you need a hand? Uh, so I also have a psychotherapist. And um, the reason is we can't see our own shadows, right? Like if I've got a monkey on my back, I just can't see it. And what I found, what I, I loved about my training, it happened every time is, um, you know, because it's self-awareness essentially that I work with. People come and it's just beginning to excavate and excavate those aspects of self so that you have full sight of yourself and you can catch yourself. So you're no longer just in reaction to something. You go, oh, I'm doing that thing again because I'm triggered by that belief because da, 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 da. So I would go and see my psychotherapist and I'd come home and I'd say, you know, to my really good friends and the people that know me oh my god I've just had this amazing insight like I can't wait to tell you I know this about myself and everyone be like yeah yeah we've been we've been telling you that for years yeah we know that already (laughs) (laughs) so you know Uh, look I I I do what everybody else does like when I'm really struggling I work with a therapist ongoing which is part of my commitment as a psychotherapist so that I'm you know, I, I have is I'm not bringing myself into the room in, in that sense. I, I confide in friends who I trust and whose opinions I value, but more importantly, who are good listeners. Um, and I tend to do a lot of self-care because ultimately, you know, that that's where it really sits. It's not, again, it's inside of myself. So I bring myself back in and I allow myself to connect with the fact that I am actually, I house everything that I'm looking for. I've just forgotten. That's brilliant. And uh, any, any parting words or thoughts for everybody out there who's listening? Well, I've talked a lot about turning the eye in, but so, you know, that's, that's obviously what I do and that's how I practice and that's how I believe we will all come into our best selves. So with that in mind, I would say just meet yourself with great compassion. Wherever your journey is at this point in time is actually okay. Don't be so fast to look to convert when you're in a place of discomfort because there's great richness in it for you and there's great learnings in it for you. Um, And you're not alone in that if you do feel that you need support outside of yourself, then find that tribe, be it professional or personal networks, but stay connected to those people who are going to hold you and echo back your self-worth. Katie Fetter, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely brilliant. It's You've been got amazing a pleasure. energy. I love it. So, so thank you so, so much. And uh, we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. Good luck with it all. Bye-bye. Bye. This series is proudly produced in partnership with Unlimited and the legends at our awesome production partners, Podpaste, who have donated their time to make it happen. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, comment and tell anyone you know that is interested in this industry about this podcast and your favourite episode. Go to ashtonmedia.com.au slash ashtoncast for more info.
In the next episode, we'll be chatting with Clinton Parr, founder of A Lion and the Vibes. Keep an eye out for that one. Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Media 